It's Thursday the 19th of March and this is the Monocle Minute. Today... That's something that this New Zealand government has focused on, those vulnerable workers who might otherwise have been laid off the likes of contractors as we've seen in other countries around the world. We learn how New Zealand is trying to bolster its economy for potential shocks to come. Also ahead, hope as a new hotel opens its doors in Kyoto. And how the Italian Prime Minister's popularity is on the rise amidst the coronavirus outbreak. I'm Tom Edwards in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. Governments around the world have been rushing to announce economic aid packages to both bail out businesses and individuals during the coronavirus outbreak. In New Zealand, the government's to spend more than $12 billion, including health spending, a cash boost for some of the most vulnerable and an attempt to keep businesses afloat. Laura Walters is a correspondent for New Zealand Media here in London and she joined Monocle's Paul Osborne earlier. Paul began by asking Laura to give us the details of the plan. It's more than $12 billion and the government is describing this as the biggest economic package in peacetime. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says that they are pulling out all of the stops in order to insulate New Zealand from the worst of this crisis. So as you mentioned, there are things in there for business and for New Zealand's most vulnerable who are unable to work and vulnerable workers. The biggest boost there is for businesses, so a $5.1 billion in wage subsidies for affected businesses. Those are businesses that can basically prove that they've had about a 30% loss or more in revenue over the time of this crisis, but that does cap out at $150,000. And as well as that for businesses, we've got tax relief essentially to free up cash flow, so there'll be a provisional change in the tax threshold and the finance minister Grant Robertson says that that's all about cash flow and confidence but that there will be more to come for businesses and there's also things in there for self-isolation support and especially self-isolation leave for those who have to go home because of COVID-19 can't take sick leave or have to be looking after somebody else who has a COVID-19, maybe someone in their family who has been infected. And the idea with that is for these people who can't work from home and have no other support from their employer, that they will still get paid. So there's a package in there for them. What's obviously really notable about this is that this also covers contractors and basically anyone who can legally work in New Zealand. So that's not just people with full-time employment and I think that's incredibly significant because that's something that this New Zealand government has focused on, those vulnerable workers who might otherwise have been laid off the likes of contractors as we've seen in other countries around the world. Also worth mentioning of course is $500 million for health. So that'll be focused on testing, on ICU staff and equipment, and on boosting um, the personnel for New Zealand's healthline support services. Like every country, there's been a promise to do whatever is needed. Is there a degree of unanimity across politics in New Zealand about the response? Oh, absolutely. So the the response from both business and unions was really positive. There was immediate unanimous support and obviously the government would have been working with both unions and the business to create this package but 
as soon as it was announced, there were statements coming out saying that this was the right thing to do. Of course, businesses were happy for that stimulus for them, those changes to tax thresholds, those helps with wage subsidies, something to just stop that gap for a while. The unions were really happy for employees and those contractors, those vulnerable workers in New Zealand, the fact that there was also something in there for them. It's really interesting to see how much this has changed over a week as we have seen with this crisis, things move incredibly quickly and just a week ago, there was a lot of criticism that there wasn't uh, a broad economic stimulus package being announced for New Zealand business and workers. But yeah, what a difference a week makes. Uh, Away from politics, what's been the public response to the way the government's handling this? Jacinda Ardern is a relatively popular leader. We've seen that she is a clear communicator, especially in times of crisis. We saw that a year ago with the March 15th terror attack. She's, you know, used social media well. She's used Facebook Live videos, done explainers with famous scientists and things like that, using visual prompts during her stand-ups and her press conferences to help for clarity. And I think that that has really helped with the public response. They feel like People are speaking to them directly, this government is speaking to them directly and they feel informed and they feel like there are things being done for them to help them, both in terms of the health response but also the, that economic stimulus. Of course, people are still scared, they're still uncertain, they're always saying that more needs to be done and both this government and the Reserve Bank of New Zealand have committed to doing more like other countries going forward in the coming months. The journalist Laura Walters there in conversation with Monocle's Paul Osborne. Up next, a new hotel opening in Japan. Monocle's Daniel Bage has the story. You may be surprised to hear it, but yesterday Japan's ancient capital saw the opening of a new hotel, the Hiromatsu Kyoto, by Tokyo-based hospitality company Hiromatsu. The company started in 1982, when Hiroyuki Hiromatsu, an entrepreneur, chef, and hotel school graduate, opened a French restaurant in Tokyo. The brand started opening hotels in 2015. For this new venture, he commissioned the celebrated Kyoto carpentry company Nakamura Sotoji Komuten to complete a five-story structure that brings together a centuries-old Kyoto townhouse with a modern addition. The hotel has 29 guest rooms finished with modern Japanese design and two restaurants serving traditional Japanese and Italian dishes using local ingredients. The opening comes as life remains far from normal in Japan, but it's also a sign that life, as elsewhere in the world, must find a way to continue. It's time now for today's column. Monocle's Chiara Rimella explains how Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte is gaining popularity in the midst of this coronavirus crisis. Here's Chiara. For a Prime Minister who, until last year, used to be overshadowed in press conferences by his vocal vice-PMs and who was largely considered a vanilla figure, if not a figurehead, Italy's Giuseppe Conte has seen a radical public perception shift in the last few weeks. The former lawyer, who is not affiliated with a specific party but is currently leading a government formed by the centre-left Democratic Party and populist five-star movement, has now become the Italian's reference point in dealing with the coronavirus crisis. 
Despite inevitable criticism by some for the speed and efficiency with which the country dealt with the situation, his personal approval ratings have risen by a few percentage points, up to 45%. As Europe's epicenter of the outbreak, Italy introduced lockdown measures before any other state around the continent. Conte delivered the news in televised addresses in a calm, decisive, concise manner. But he also always maintained an emotive, empathetic touch that resonated with the population. Let's stay further away today to hug each other with more warmth tomorrow, he said to conclude one of his speeches. After months of uncertainty, wobbly governments and political infighting, Italians are in dire need of a solid figure to lead them. However tough following the strict quarantine rules may be, most appreciate the decisions taken and, according to a recent survey by ICSE for Catabianca, published on La Repubblica, they would even support stricter measures. Once the worst is over, Conte's stringent approach is likely to keep bearing political fruit. Thanks to Monocle's Chiara Rimella, then elsewhere on today's agenda. With many US restaurants shutting their doors in a bid to slow the spread of coronavirus, a new nationwide campaign called the Dining Bonds Initiative has been launched to help independent restaurants stay afloat. Restaurant industry PR veterans Helen Patrikas and Stephen Hall are the duo behind the initiative, a way to avoid restaurants going out of business inspired by wartime savings bonds. The idea is similar. If restaurants sell a bond at a discounted rate today, say $75, it will be redeemable for $100 in the future. Over 80 restaurants from New York to Los Angeles have already joined, and the move can hopefully inspire similar measures to sustain other vulnerable sectors. Copenhagen-based firm Henning Larsen has won a competition to design a sprawling and towering development in Sydney's Darling Harbour. It gives the sustainability-minded and socially conscious firm a chance to alter the dialogue of development down under. Here, alongside abundant natural beauty, energy-sapping concrete towers continue to rise, while sustainability goals and benefits to the public realm tend to be an afterthought. Henning Larsen, though, aims to change this, for example, by proposing a huge elevated park that will link together disconnected parts of the harbour city and give something back to Sydney citizens. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website, monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. The Monocle Minute returns on Friday. Music